everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh, dude, I'm just great. Praise God. What are you thankful for this morning? I don't know, I'm just living a pretty... Pretty chill life. No, uh, you know, yesterday did radio, had a great time, uh, got a blood test, like blood taken for a blood test, worked a shift, got paid, like, well, eventually, I know that I'm getting paid. Gonna be, going to be paid. Uh, going to be paid. Like, yeah, life's good. I'm, I That's awesome. I'm just happy. That's I'm amazing. Just, yeah, what about yourself? What are you? Oh, going well, I'm thankful for random friends that just turn up and stay. Oh, that yeah, that's epic. Yeah, absolutely. So, Wait, uh, you have friends? We ha- we we, we do. <laughs> Wouldn't believe it. Just turned up, stayed, and uh, had a great time hanging out last night. Played some games together. Sat oh, around and chatted. Up. Caught up with uh, all the latest news from out west. Oh, talked so about good. the mouse plague. <laughs> You know talked what about would, piles of dead mice. You know what would fix a mouse plague? What? Cats. No, it won't. Yeah, it very no, well it possibly won't. could fix a mouse plague. These people own a cat. Oh, okay. And they're still killing lots of mice in traps every night. Oh, true. Because the cat just doesn't bother with them. What, what kind of cat do they own? The dogs are killing more mice than the cats. <laughs> so here's the, here's the real solution. Dogs. Dogs. Dogs are the solution. <laughs> this is true. This is true. And so, because if a, if, a, if a cat's sitting there and a mouse runs past, if the cat feels like it, it will kill the mouse. But if you've got a dog, you're like, oh, skitch him. You know, dog is always going to be like, yes, it's a mouse. I'm going to destroy it. That is that is true. Yes. I, I will agree with you on that point. Uh, okay, Lyle, I'm quickly everything is always Everything is always a dog's favourite thing to do. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, what's happening in the world of positively different news? Oh, okay, Lyle, I have one epic story, but I'm going to lead up to it with some less epic stories. So, in some less epic news, but still pretty epic news, you know how uh, South Australia did that thing a couple of months ago where they ran the whole town basically of Adelaide on solar power for like an hour. Yes. Well, the entire state of California did the same thing for five seconds. (laughs) For five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So basically for five, and not including Los Angeles or Sacramento. And And this is California that is like super into green energy. Yeah. Yeah. They can manage it for five seconds. and But it wasn't even the well, whole we, state. We must, we, was... must, we must be just about there, Lawson. We must be just about there. <laughs> we have arrived. It's time to, <laughs> it's time to shut the fossil fuels off. We I have created so. the solution. It, it, is, it has been done. Lyle, stop. We only need electricity, we need Lyle, less electricity for five step. seconds a day. <laughs> who, what, who would ever need it for more than that? <laughs> oh man! Well, this mate, this goes with my point yesterday. You're all bagging me about my computer chips and and how this is like so good that we can make renewable, you know, non-silicon based computer transistors. But literally, like the thought of five seconds without electro electric. Uh, oh. 
the thought of only having five seconds of electricity today is actually quite frightening. Like, you see here, you're like, oh man, if that was it, that would be quite, kind of gnarly. But pretty much, yeah, this is, this is, that's it. And also, you know, they said it, 95% of the state, but that other 5% was Los Angeles, which is the biggest metropolitan. Oh, okay. Center. So it wasn't even the whole state. Yeah, but still represented like 29 million people. Like California. And left out LA, one uh, of the biggest cities in the world. Yeah, but they had to because. They didn't have enough renewable. It would have been like one second or less. I think the moral of this story is that Australia is like light years ahead of the US yeah, when it comes that, to renewables. that's really what this story is about. Yes. Not about there's, there's the positive message it's, right there. It's not about, you know, renewables not quite being to like the level it could be yet to run a whole state. No, it's just that Australia is better than everywhere else. That's it. Uh-huh. Okay. So no. that's it. That's <laughs> no, but seriously, so. this, is a, this is a good step. They've never done this before, Lyle. And five seconds. Yeah, but then they'll just, you know, they'll just keep increasing the time, adding yes. some stuff. In 2049, it's going to be 10 seconds. Yeah. Oh, no, well, <laughs> not 2049. Hopefully, 2021 20, in three months, they'll do 10 seconds. We'll see what happens. Uh, well, we're following this story. This is a big step. Okay. Uh, I believe you. I believe you. Really I'm, I'm convinced. Wow, you have, me, you have me convinced. <laughs> Okay, another quick story I want to talk about, which is, you know, was really cool as I saw it. Um, did you know that Uganda, Uganda, they can a, do it for ten? Seconds. No, 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 no. <laughs> Uganda has lots of islands. I did not know this. Yeah, like because I'm like, this is isn't this a landlocked country in Africa? Yes. But it's actually because full of lakes. A part of Uganda is, you know, the big Lake Victoria, and there's heaps of islands in that part of the world, like like a, in Lake Victoria. It's like the big one of the biggest lakes in the world. It's bigger mm-hmm. than Lake Macquarie here in Australia, yes. which is our biggest lake, way bigger than Lake Macquarie. But yeah, essentially, yeah, it's full of islands, full of lakes, and they've come up basically. They're using. Uh, new technology. They're using drones to be able to get medication to all these different peoples on the islands, and it's revolutionising. So people um, live on these islands. Yeah, I guess it's Africa, so people kind of live everywhere, right? Yeah, people live everywhere, and at the moment, you know, there is a HIV crisis that is sweeping through Uganda in particular, and uh, they now have the ability to be able to reach a lot of these people in remote areas uh, where, for some reason, the HIV rate is disproportionately higher. Um, they're able to now reach them with medicine and supplies and everything using drones. That's very cool. So Uganda is actually really on the leading edge with this. Which and it's is also a lot really of fun. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. You know, you yeah, there's way more fun than taking a boat out there. It's like, oh, I've got a drone. Well, dude, w- when they take a boat out there and they try and visit all those islands, it's it's approximately a 16-hour trip. Yeah, wow. How, how fast do they do it with drones? Uh, where You know, because they can just send one drone to one area. Yes. They can, you know, get it done in... Like a like a stop in an hour, they can just have multiple drones all going out. Whereas you know, to run multiple boats is exponentially more expensive, enormously more expensive. So and worse this, on the environment, and worse on the yeah. So this is a really really cool thing that is happening in Uganda. Okay, that's amazing. Like I need to talk about this last story. This is so cool. Okay, um, a ten year old kid who is currently living in New York in the United States. Well, they just moved to Connecticut. His name is Tani Adewumi. Adewumi. He has become a national chess master, a national grand master of chess in the United States at 10 years old. Okay, so how did... 
What do you have to do to be a grandmaster at chess? Is this Beat like, everyone else. Is this like a world rankings kind of... Do you have to be in the top 100? Yeah, or? yeah. essentially in chess um, you have to like beat other people and you're also like ranked by judges and you know uh, according to your proficiency of the the levels of people that you know everyone has a has a number assigned to them and if you beat someone like that's high with you yeah you go up and you go down uh but the thing that made this so cool when i was reading this story so his family he won this by the way which is like crazy he's a child prodigy winning championships at 10 years old he is at the time when he won this a homeless Nigerian refugee. His family was living in a homeless shelter in New York. They fled Nigeria because they're a Christian family fleeing from persecution. They've a wow. They've arrived into New York into a homeless shelter. Uh, you know, it started attending their local church and then started getting help from the local pastor who put uh, the two kids in this family. He started putting them through school. Now, Tony- see, this is this is this is what countries that get involved in religious persecution don't get mm. is that they are driving out people who could make a massive contribution to their country. I mean, you study the history of the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century, mm. and you wonder why Great Britain became a world empire. You got this small island, right? It's mm. called England, and it end up ends up ruling between one in four and one in five ever every people every person on the planet. That was initiated because of the persecutions that took place in Europe and so many people who with so much skill mm. fled to the UK. Well, yeah, dude, this is so amazing. So, like, he gets this help from his pastor. Um, they put him, they start to put him through school. Uh, one of his teachers start, has a, is running a chess club. Tony becomes interested. He's like, oh, man, I want to get into this. But they didn't have the money to join the chess club. But the, the teacher waived the fees. You know, you can join, get in. And, and he immediately picks up the game. And literally, his family's living in a shelter. He goes to his first state championship and wipes the floor with everyone. Wow. This was a junior state championship. He go, he rocks up, wipes the floor. How with, long has he been playing chess like, for when but, he does That this? was his first championship. He'd been playing chess for no more than six months. And he's just smoking everyone. But then furthermore, like, he goes on, he's just winning after winning after winning. He's getting attention. And his teacher then starts a GoFundMe where they raise $250,000 for their family and brings them out of this situation. Essentially, what I see here is, like, such a, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story. And what I mean by that is these people were facing persecution as Christians, standing up for their beliefs. And they stood, you know, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, you know, whether we die or live, you know, we're standing we're for what, compromise. We're not going to compromise. And so they've been given this golden opportunity to flee to America. And through that, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't compromise, but also God saved them and they didn't lose their life. And they went on to become rulers in Babylon. These people just the same. They stood for God. They didn't compromise. They've been given this golden opportunity and the things that God has been able to do for them and walk, work through them in the most unconventional way. Can't wait to see what contribution this kid makes, you know, as he grows up with a brain like that. Yes. It's so going to be incredible. absolutely amazing. So, yeah, oh, just really, really epic story. And I guess, you know, he's 10 years old, so we'll be following his career as it goes forward over the next couple of years. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Uh, moving on into more serious news, uh, we all made a lot of jokes during the initial uh, COVID lockdown about yeah. the baby boom that was coming and how that in, you know, 13 years or so from now, we would be having a whole generation of quarantines mm-hmm. as they all became teenagers. 
uh, or the Generation Rona, which would come after Generation Z, and this would come about as a you know the baby boom. What has actually happened is the complete opposite. Births have dropped, the number of uh, births have dropped catastrophically in the United States, and this is following a six-year decline. So there was less people in the U.S., there was less babies born in the U.S. in 2020 than what there was in 1979. Do you know how many more people there are in America now than what there was in 1979? A lot. A hundred million. There are a hundred million more people. So the current population of the United States is 331 million Mm -hmm. and a half. Mm -hmm. Uh, The population in 1979 was 221 million. Okay. There's a hundred million people giving birth to less. Mm. Well, it's basically 100 million people not giving birth, you know. It, it's just like, yeah, Doesn't it's that make really, really sense, crashing. though? Like, my thought is that why would people give birth to children in such adverse conditions? Also, like, you know, because we look at other adverse conditions, like, you know, in places like China where it's like one-child policy and then, you know, a bunch of people have more children because the, the adverse condition is caused by having kids. But it's just like... A bad time to have a kid? Well, you kind of think that, you know, the pandemic's on, everybody's locked up at home. Uh, That's kind of, you know, an environment for a baby boom. Uh, People are feeling stressed and worried, and so, you know, affection is a good antidote for that. This is a recipe for a baby boom, but not so. It didn't happen. So Hmm. uh, that represents in the 20 to 24 age bracket a 6% drop from 2019. In the 25 to 29 age bracket, a 4% drop from 2019. In 1945, so mm-hmm. the end of the Second World War, so you talk about crisis, I don't think the corona, the, the, the COVID crisis uh, qualifies in comparison to the Second World War mm-hmm. and, you know, the atomic bomb and everything that was happening back then. <laughs> but in 1945, there were 50 workers in the United States for every retiree. Yeah, well. Uh, in 2018, how many do you reckon? Ooh, I'm going to take a shot. It's going to be less. I reckon like five. 2.8. <laughs> oh, so we're talking about like... Now, a- your, your generation, Generation Z, by the time you retire, there will be 1.1 workers for every retiree. And that financial burden will be resting on your shoulders as a taxpayer. Matt, I'm just never going to retire. Ah, may the Lord come soon. Then Amen. Amen. Okay, so the United States has only been able to maintain their population growth uh, from the 1970s due to immigration. Um, And some of the driving forces, interesting look at the driving forces. So delays in marriage, uh, prioritization of work, prioritization of education, uh, freedom from the uh, apparent restrictions that marriage brings. And really what it comes down to when you look at all of the reasons for this is just the growth of selfishness. Mm. People just don't want to be tied down by children or a relationship. They just want to be able to get up and like, well, it's my life and I can do whatever I want and I don't have to be accountable to any. I don't mm. have to include anybody else in my life. I can live a purely selfish life. And there's way easier ways to do that too. Now, this is not going to be the case, you know, in so many. This is such a generalization. You know, mm. there are so many people out there who would dearly love to get married and have children. One of the things that we're going to see as this generation moves through is 
uh, a continued massive increase in depression and loneliness mm. because the move away from marriage and the traditional family is a move towards singleness mm-hmm. and a lack of social connectedness and social connectedness is the greatest predictor that there is for good health across all health mm-hmm. outcomes. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's something interesting coming out there. While we're talking about health, alcohol. Um, so a couple of years ago we had the World Health Organization who came out and said that there is no safe, safe level of drinking alcohol. There's no such thing as safe alcohol use. Um, any, any level of alcohol use is going to uh, bring harm. The new uh, alcohol guidelines for the UK have come out and stated that any amount of alcohol uh, increases your risk of cancer. So that's like any alcohol at all Mm -hmm. increases your risk of cancer. Now there's a new study that's come out that has shown that it's exactly the same same for heart, uh, arterial, I should say, arterial fibrillation. So that's when your heart sort of flutters away, um, pumps really fast, doesn't do a whole lot, doesn't really uh, spread the uh, blood around very much. Mm. And so they're saying that any amount of alcohol is, well, bad for heart, arterial fibrillation as well, so something mm-hmm. to be avoided. Of course, the big story in the religious world right now is coming out of Israel. I don't know whether you've been watching and following this story or not, but the, uh, the begin with began with the Al-Aqsa Mosque violence uh, mm. where the Israeli security forces fired tear gas, stun grenades, rubber bullets to break up the crowds there. Uh, the civilians, of course, returned by throwing metal bars and rocks, which is seems to be... You know, the standard kind of thing that happens in Israel. 300 civilians injured so far, 21 police and seven uh, other civilians. Uh, Of course, the response was seven rockets were fired out of Gaza at Jerusalem. Uh, And this, of course, was because they were, this was Jerusalem Day, if they were fired at the Jerusalem Day processions with Hamas claiming responsibility. Uh, 70 more rockets were fired at closer targets. And this was all sparked off by land claims in East Jerusalem that were going to result in the eviction of a couple of uh, Palestinian families from East Jerusalem because it was claimed that it was part of uh, a Jewish territory, not Palestinian territory within the city. Uh, Fatih Hamad, the a senior Hamas, has urged a major well, has urged uh, Palestinians to buy a knife and decapitate Jews. So that's not going to do much to de-escalate things. This is intense. The far-right Jewish community, on the other hand, has said now is the time to seize the Temple Mount and rebuild the Third third Temple in Jerusalem. Mm. And, of course, they have a lot of backing from evangelical Christians, which is one of the most bizarre things I've ever come Mm. across. Why would Christians want the Temple to rebuild and the sacrifices to be started again? Mm. When it, like the Bible is so clear that the temple, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom on the moment that Jesus died on Calvary. There is not a greater or more significant event for Christians than the moment Jesus died and our salvation was secured. Yeah, amen. And it was symbolized by the ending mm-hmm. of the sacrificial system. Why, why, why are Christians backing this? I just do not understand why anyone would back the rebuilding of the third temple in Jerusalem. Uh, of course, then there was the retali- retaliatory airstrikes on Gaza. So, you know, the Palestinians fire rockets out, 
the Israelis fly jets over and bomb the place. Of course, that's going to result in a lot of innocent lives being yeah. lost. At least three children were killed in those airstrikes, you know, because that's, you know, they're not exactly surgical strikes. They're bombs no. being dropped yeah. from planes. You know, with, you know, incredible accuracy they have these days, but it's just, you know. And so the violence continues. Mm. Jerusalem has never, ever managed to live up to its name as being a city of peace. Yeah. We look forward to a new Jerusalem where peace will reign forever. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. And joining me on the phone this morning is Jared Stackleroth from Signs of the Times magazine. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lyle. Great to be here. So we're super excited to hear about what is happening in the May edition of Signs of the Times magazine. What have you got coming up for us this month? Yeah, Lyle, as everyone knows, May is Mother's Day, so our cover story is actually about the relationship between a mother and a daughter and why it's easy to hate those we love sometimes, those that are closest to us. Uh, Sometimes we have the most tension with. So that's a very interesting sort of uh, concept on this important time to remember our mothers. Now, this is a really important, you know, when you said you were going to do a Mother's Day article, dealing with the tension that exists between relationships was not what I was expecting you to start talking about. But it's a really important subject because families today, we often see that, yeah, they are just not what you would want them to be. There are so many people where I know children that don't speak to their brothers or they don't speak to their sisters or they don't speak to their parents or their parents, you know, might not be welcome in their home. I know some families where, you know, they haven't spoken to a family member for maybe 15 or 20 years. What's going on here? Is this what your article is delving into? Yeah, a little bit, Lyle. Look, it's it's a great question. And spoiler alert, thankfully, our our author does have a, a, a better relationship with her mother now, but um, she looks at some of the reasons that some of those tensions exist. And I think, you know, there's all sorts of things that could go into um, the damaging of some of these relationships. But I reflect on even my own relationship with my parents, and sometimes you're a lot like the person that you you have conflict with. <laughs> and I'm not sure what that says about... Um, whether there's something in, in, in them that you see reflected in yourself that you sort of uh, push away from. Um, our author sort of talks about, I guess, the things that, that we struggle with, that we wrestle with. Um, sometimes those who are closest with to us can call some of those things out because they know us better than anyone else. And so we might be ashamed of the way we behave or the way we act, and yet, um, from everybody else in the world, we can sort of hide some of those things. But from those that are close to us, we have trouble hiding those things. And they come out at the worst of times for maybe how we're going through things. And so sometimes it can bring things to a head and the relationship can sour or become a bit difficult. Our author, Mary Ellen Fairfax, she talks about her teenage years and I guess some of the reasons why teenagers might clash with their parents as they're sort of striving to find their own identity and as they're growing into themselves. She's got some great comments from other authors and even quotes Oprah Winfrey. So she's 
she's done her research and she's just sort of used her personal experience to explore some of these tensions. And it's quite an interesting read to get your head around, hey, where might some of these tensions in my own life come from in, in these spaces? I don't know about you, Lyle, but I do have some more strained relationships with some of my family members than others. And it's interesting to, to read something like this and then look, hey, where might some of those things be poking out through my own my own experience, my own relationships? And how can I work on some of those things? How can I reconcile some of those relationships? Yeah, I'm really glad that you're having this discussion in Science Magazine. There's a, there's a few observations that sort of, sort of pop up in my mind immediately. And one of them is that, Yes, people who are close to us, they feel more confident to call us out on our bad behaviour, particularly if it's our parents. Then uh, the mm. other thing that I find, and I don't know how about you experience the same thing, but I feel it a whole lot more when somebody close to me calls me out on bad behaviour than when you know somebody I don't know so well does because... When somebody I don't know, I can, I can excuse that easily. I'm like, ah, they don't know, they don't know who I am. They, they really don't know me. You know, that's not, that's not real. But when somebody close calls me out, it's like, well, ouch, they probably do know me. There might be an element of truth to that. And that's not always easy to deal with. That's right, Lyle. It's, it, it sort of hurts more. It carries more weight. <laughs> of course, that's not the reason for every sort of every problem that rises in relationships. Um, the, the very next article after our Mother's Day one also talks about, it's, it's similar, it's about toxic friendships. So it's really important to have friends in this world. I saw a joke recently that said that one of Jesus' greatest achievements in life was to have 12 close friends in his 30s. And I think in this day and age, we can all sort of relate to the idea of, you know, not having a lot of close friends necessarily by. And the idea of when we might need to break up with some of those friends because there's some toxicity. So it sort of carries that theme, this important theme of relationships um, is really strongly through this May issue. I guess the other thing that's mm. encouraging about articles like this is that it reveals to us, hey, we're not alone because we all go through this and there's nothing particularly new about this. I just want to just bounce back to that uh, first one is that when it comes to our friends, mm. we can choose our friends and we need to choose our friends wisely. There are times when there's going to be toxic relationships, toxic friendships that are not going to be good for us. But when it comes to our family, we don't get to choose them. And I just want to say that, you know, I've, I've experienced conflict in my family. You have as well. I think everybody has at one point or another. But I do want to say it's worth our while to work on building a relationship with our family members where we can. There's actually less pain if we can make those relationships work in some way. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. Now, Jared, what else have you got coming up in the May edition of Signs of the Times? Look, going to our big question series that we've been running on, on some of these questions that people might have. Uh, this month, we have the question answered, well, we've attempted to answer the question, is the Bible history? I now, guess this it, is an important question, yeah, for many people because they sort of look at the Bible and they're not quite sure, particularly if they haven't grown up with the Bible, how, how do they take the Bible? How should they read the Bible? And so our author looks at, is, is the Bible historically accurate? Um, our um, also for this piece is Kent Kingston, who you know your listeners may be familiar with. He, he oh, was well the former then. editor of Signs of the Times. Yeah, so he he did a really great job, sort of examining whether the Bible is his, historic or not. Can be 
can it be taken as a historic document? It's interesting because a lot of people talk about Herodotus being the father of history, and I know I've mentioned this before on Faith FM because history is something that I love to get into myself. And mm. one of the reasons that Herodotus is called the father of history is because he was one of the first people to actually record, and he was Greek, but he, he recorded defeats. And up until that particular right. time, yep. the ancients never recorded defeats. They never recorded history. They only recorded victories. And so that makes, you know, history work just incredibly detective-like to be able to decipher exactly what is going on. And so Herodotus comes along, he has this radical idea. He, he writes history in this vivid, you know, cinematic colour and writes it down almost like a movie script and he records defeats and people say, well, this is the father of history right here, but the Bible predates Herodotus by a very, very long period and it almost, you could argue, it has more defeats in it than victories. Yeah, definitely. As Kent points out, the the Bible isn't just a single book. Um, Often we think of it in our sort of modern um, concepts in that way there are actually 66 books or, or documents that are, the Bible is made up of, and some of those are very sort of historic. Some of the Bible is poetry, some of it's in different genres of writing, literature, um, but there are certainly very historic books. He, he points out that, um, for example, this is from the beginning of Esther. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes, the Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces, and so it's, it's giving us a time, a ruler, a specific uh, geographic region. It's a very historic way to start a document. And so he says that some of those books, you can tell where the history sections of the Bible are because um, they're written in a historic form. Yes, I love the history of the Bible, and it is just absolutely fascinating. It gives us an amazing window into the past. It is one of the more comprehensive books from a historical perspective that we have describing the ancient world. We do not have many documents that come from the ancient world, and the Bible has certainly got a very large amount of material, historical material in it, that a historian can use for very valuable research. And, of course, we can use for spiritual blessings as well along the way. What else is happening in May? Yeah, we're looking ahead in May. There's an ish, there's a story from Mark Hadley, our movie and, and culture reviewer, about the Fast and Furious franchise. Now, some of your listeners may be familiar. There is plans to be a new movie coming out uh, in June. And yet with all the coronavirus pandemic, it's been pushed back a number of times. So we'll wait and see if that comes out soon. But Mark Hadley examines, I guess, the picture of masculinity that is presented by these movies and perhaps what true masculinity or even biblical uh, masculinity might look like. Um, It's a very topical sort of thought at this time. A lot of people are wrestling with this concept of uh, what it means to be a good man, what it means to be a good friend and and father and family member um, for others at this time. So... Yeah, he examines the franchise and and sort of the way that it it glorifies family over everything and it talks about how its characters stick together through thick and thin and yet some of their actions sometimes put other people in danger, create some conflict and and he says, is this really sort of the picture of, of masculinity that we want in our world? So very interesting sort of social commentary from Mark Hadley there. 
You know, I would never have thought of using the Fast and Furious uh, franchise as an example of family before, but when you mention it, there is definitely a very, very strong family theme that comes through in uh, that particular series. So I'm dead keen to jump on there, have a look and see what he actually has to say on this subject. Jared, how do we interact with Science Magazine? So how do we subscribe to it? How do we read the articles? Where can we go? How do we be a part of this? Great question, Lyle. If you go to signsofthetimes.org.au, you'll find the opportunity to subscribe to our print magazine. You'll also find some exclusive web-only content there. We've started putting up some extra articles that aren't in our magazine. You can, of course, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. There's a podcast. There's a lot of different ways that you can interact with signs. But at the website, you will find all of those And is there still an old-fashioned paper version of it available? Definitely, yep. At the website, you can subscribe to our print edition. We've been talking about the content in the print edition. Sounds fantastic, and of course, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a dinosaur. I do like a print edition. The batteries never go flat on my print edition. It's just a better feeling to have paper between your fingers. So that is signsofthetimes.org.au. Head over there, look at the articles that we have mentioned this morning, and there's going to be a whole bunch more. These guys are very creative in the topics that they come up with. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM. Thanks a lot, Lyle. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.